My point is this, when a new version of Final Cut is ready, is not how you time a developer conference. So, Andrew, yes. now I know why a- Apple sends you products enough. <laughs> <laughs> what? Because I'm sensible. HNT is a token by Helium. I'll save the explanation on what Helium is, but essentially what I'm doing is using one of their miners. My goal is to get between three and five of them kind of set up at different places and hopefully be making two to three hundred bucks per day. Wow. I mean, per day? I mean, you could make a living off of that. When I got the email, I was like, what kind of scam are they trying to pull on me? I'm not doing this. About four months later, our friend Jenna was like, hey, have you been doing this? I'm making... 50 to $100 per day mining this token. Wait. <laughs> I, I promptly felt very foolish and have not been able to get them to respond to my email since then. <laughs> Welcome to Geared Up. I'm Andrew Edwards. I am John Rettinger. Geared Up is your weekly look at the world of consumer electronics and gadgets. And John, huge week. Biggest, biggest of weeks. We've had Apple's WWDC. We've had E3 and the big Microsoft slash Bethesda game showcase, but potentially even bigger than both of those things combined is our guest this week. One of the best sources for Apple news on YouTube, if not the world, Mr. Sam Cole, how are you doing, sir? Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me back. This is my second time here. It is. It is. It's good to see you. It feels good. It's good to see you guys. It was so good the first time. We have to top the last okay, show. for sure. I, I don't know if we can. I mean, there's a big enough. I mean, with E3, WWDC, it's just like big announcement week. I feel like we got lots to talk about. I'm excited to be here, guys. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Now, Sam, just one quick thing before we get into all the, uh, the topics of the show. Anytime I hit play on one of your YouTube videos, I'm always excited to see. It's like my own little personal Easter egg. What shirt is Sam wearing today? What's the, <laughs> is it going to be Balenciaga? Is it going to be Supreme? LRG. I don't know. Today, I can't tell. I, just, I see no logos. What's going on? We got the, uh, this is oh. an older, older Palace shirt. It's printed on the bottom. I was actually, Andrew, I, I put this shirt on today and I was like, Mandy's going to think I'm not dripping, but I got to be having. <laughs> Sam, what kicks, what, what kicks are you wearing? Oh, right now, I just have these really cheap Nike slides on, but the most recent pair I picked up, I got the uh, Nike 10 off-white Converse collab with like the Ooh. translucent little window and like the little tag on it and I'm going to just move my camera. Here's John showing us his shoes. Do a little light cross here. So nice. Okay. I love it. Absolutely love it. I took an L on the orange Pharrell's the other day. Not happy about that. (laughs) I don't even think it's possible to win off the L. Like, I don't even try. I'm just like, I'm not going to have a chance. (laughs) There's no way. (laughs) I mean, don't don't put that in my mind because I'm trying to go for the light blue ice. I know. Week, so those are so fingers nice. Crossed. Those do those do look really good. They look incredible. They do, they do, especially for the summertime. Anywho, let's get into this tech news. So before we jump into E3 and WWDC, John, you have just jumped in to the world of HNT mining. I have jumped headfirst instead of feed first into into HNT mining. Yes, and so I want you to give background as to what this is, but I also want to tell people. I had the opportunity to jump in headfirst as well several months back. And when I got the email, I was like, what kind of scam are they trying to pull on me? I'm not doing this and promptly deleted it. And then about four months later, our friend Jenna 
Jenna Azarek, who's been on the show a couple of times, was like, hey, have you been doing this? I'm making 50 to $100 per day mining this token. Wait. <laughs> I, I promptly felt very foolish and have not been able to, to get them to respond to my email since then. So <laughs> tell people what this is and how it works. Okay. So I am a novice and I'm learning. I'm trying to update my crypto knowledge. So not only for the Money Rush YouTube channel, but also for my own edification as a complete investor. So do you guys know Jimmy is promo? Not yet. YouTube? Yes, I do. YouTube channel. He's, and I want to give him a shout out and a thank you. He has been so kind to hold my hand through this process. He has a ton of videos up on HNT mining, what it means, what it does. HNT is a token by Helium. And I'll, I'll save the explanation on what Helium is, but essentially what I'm doing is using one of their, their miners, which are so incredibly hard to find right now. There's about four or five manufacturers that make them, but they are backordered so six, seven months. The older miners, like the one Jenna's using, is selling on eBay for five grand. These things retailed for like 300, 400 bucks when they came out. So essentially what this thing does is it, it talks to other networks and like most miners, it, it verifies stuff on the blockchain. It sort of makes sure things are working, the records are being stored, and you get rewarded with portions of HNT tokens. And that sounds fine until so you realize that HNT is currently trading framework between 13 and $15 per token. Right. So you get these set up in a good location suddenly you're mining eight to 10 tokens a day. Now, let me ask you this question. Here, here's the first thing that I, the first question that comes to mind when you said the last sentence. Yes. Mm -hmm. Depending on your location. Now, when you're mining yes. Bitcoin or other coins, your location doesn't matter. So why does the location matter here? So these work interesting. And again, I'm still learning, but these hotspots talk to each other. So they work better when there's some in proximity of you and they have a map where you can see where all the ones are located. And when they can talk to each other, they can sort of perform these tasks. They can perform these tasks significantly better than if they were alone. They have sort of activities or challenges, they call them. They do these things back and forth, and then you're rewarded with HNT, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. I mean, it, it, it sounds like a, a unique way to mine a token. So that's my foray into HNT mining. I have a couple other hotspots on order that aren't going to show up until October if I'm lucky. My goal is to get between three and five of them kind of set up at different places all around for where I live and hopefully, you know, be making two to 300 bucks per day. Wow. I mean, per day? that's like a, that, that's like a full-time, I mean, you could make a living off of that. You, you could, you could make a living. <laughs> I have people, I know friends who have have up to nine of them that are doing very well. Now they're it's going to get halved, I believe in August, which sort of the value of the token or how much you can get should go down, but the token price should go up. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there if the price goes to 20 or 30, and then you know, you're just kind of cutting your numbers in half. Can you hook us up with these, John? I mean, I'm trying to get on this train. I, I've been That's into a crypto. Great question. I, I've been into crypto since Dude, the I, peak in 2018. Well, what was the peak at the time? No <laughs> longer the peak. But are you familiar with helium mining? Like, is that something that you knew? Not helium in particular, but there was a short, short period of time where I was like using my Mac to mine Bitcoin like four years ago. And then I was like, this is this yeah. is not 18 cents a day profit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Listen, I, I have two computers at home, three computers at home. Two's mining Shiba Inu, one's mining Doge. <laughs> Just John, why fun. aren't you teaching us this stuff? Yeah. Listen, I will. Uh, we can turn this into a teaching thing, but mining from, I guarantee you, Andrew, at home, you've got a bunch of PCs, right? That have some sort of Absolutely. GPU in them. I don't even do anything with them. Then I will show you how to make a little bit of money 
from those PCs but literally doing no work. And that's what I have my computers at home that are doing. You can pick the token to mine. It's really easy. We can make it even do a, a how-to on an upcoming episode. I like but this. It's very, it's very, very easy to do. And even just for fun, I even tried to do it on my uh, my old Intel MacBook Pro and it worked, which is very slow. Okay. So where can people find out more about the H&T stuff in particular if they're interested? Yeah, so pretty easy. If you just go to, uh, so for Helium, you go to explore.helium.com and you can learn all about all the Helium stuff they have or just throw into Google Helium or HNT and then you can learn all about the stuff they have going on there. Okay. Let's move on to E3. Um, we're in the midst of E3 right now. So it's still E3 week. We have the big Nintendo announcements coming tomorrow. What we've seen so far, though, the major stuff was from Xbox and Bethesda. That took place yesterday. And number one, I was impressed. But number two, as much as it was about the games and it was almost back to back to back, just game announcement after game announcement at the end of almost every single game announcement and trailer, they put up a graphic that said, play on day one on xbox game pass like this really felt like the coming out party. like if it was not already out this was the coming out party where microsoft said give us 10 bucks a month and just play anything that you want and it felt like the value proposition of that service increased instantly what'd you guys think yeah i signed up instantly <laughs> there you go <laughs> do you guys feel like microsoft is like slowly gearing up the world for a, like without hardware like no xbox hardware like it really seems like well, why do you even need an xbox at this point well microsoft has gone on record saying there will be another console in the future of some sort that could just mean one right but also what do they what do they mean by what do they mean by console right they announced like they're gonna do like a little streaming stick like maybe that's a console True. That's true. Well, I think I, I do think they mean traditional game console, but on the flip side, even if there is one more, I don't know that it makes sense past that, that there would still be dedicated hardware just for gaming because the cloud as the, as like our internet connections and 5g and everything get more powerful and faster, the cloud makes more sense because it's basically as powerful as you want it to be. Exactly. So rather than having an every five to eight year jump in in performance you can just increase the performance whenever you need to so you can have like an annual kind of like you know the ios release schedule every year you can be like, hey here's here's what we're doing to the cloud to make it even even better this year graphically or or speed wise so i do think that dedicated consoles may not be long for this world going forward but you're right. Like they're talking about releasing a streaming stick so that kind of like an Amazon Fire Stick, you buy the Xbox stick, you plug it into your TV. And if you don't own an Xbox, now you can stream Xbox Game Pass games. They're also talking about if you have a smart TV, they'll have a smart TV app and you can do the same thing just built in wow. to your TV. So basically, Xbox has gone from a device to a platform. And actually, one of the coolest things that they said is they're bringing Game Pass streaming to the Xbox, which means if you have an Xbox One and you want to play an Xbox Series X game without buying the console, you can just stream those games to your last generation Xbox. 
That is wild. It's absurd. And you, you say like Xbox Game Pass games, but it's gearing up. That's pretty much every Xbox game. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, first party for sure. But the reason I'm saying Game Pass in particular is because as of now, I don't know if let's say I went into the Xbox store and I purchased a game digitally that is not on Game Pass. Can I also stream that or can I only stream Game Pass stuff? But either way, this is a huge shift. Microsoft is doing basically what no one else is doing because you look at Sony. Sony is in the traditional console business. Nintendo's in the, in the traditional console business, but Nintendo's kind of always in its own world doing, doing things its own way. And then, but you also look, there's Amazon service, which actually just today, Amazon Luna streaming service is now available to all Amazon Prime members. You have Google Stadia. So Microsoft is competing on both fronts, whereas everyone else seems to have chosen a side. Microsoft's saying, hey, no matter where you are as a gamer, no matter where you want to be, no matter how casual or hardcore you are, we have a product for you. And we have this incredible value to where you can just pay 10 bucks a month and just play. Don't even worry about going to the store anymore. Just play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I signed up for it last night. I was able to get Dead by Daylight, just download it to my Series X that I've got instantly, play with my friend cross-platform on on PC. And I was like, wait, a dollar for three months to get started. Am I going to get hooked? Yeah, it's kind of like a drug dealer. You know, they give you something small for free to start <laughs> out. And then you're like, okay, I kind of like, want more of this. And, uh, and then, you know, I, I've started to realize like this is the approach to games, right? Like there's the Apple approach, which is like so controlled, so platform specific, so locked down. And I think Microsoft is killing it because like people that play games just want to be able to play wherever, whenever on all their devices and not have to buy a $60 game. Like, I think it's, it's what, yeah, if you buy like basically two games a year, it's worth buying Game Pass. Like it just made sense. Like I haven't been on it, but now knowing that the Halo, you know, Infinite is the Halo. I sound like a boomer. Halo, <laughs> Halo Infinite's going to be on their day one. You know, a bunch of new games that they just announced are going to be day one. I'm like, well, wait, my friends are going to be getting these games. Sure. I'll, I'll stream it. I won't own it. I, I mean, I don't sell games back anyway. Everybody just does a digital download. That's actually a good point, Sam. Like, and you didn't, might not have even meant it this way. But I think people miss this part of what of how powerful Game Pass is. So I think most people think of it as, for me, I just need to pay $10 and I can access all this content, right? Let's say you're a PlayStation player. A game comes out that you want to play with your friends. Well, your friend also needs to buy that game. Your friend needs to have the budget and interest in that game. With Game Pass, if the three of us, let's say Halo Infinite comes out, or forts or whatever, if the three of us want to play, we all have it. Not only is it a benefit to me as a single player gamer, but it's also a benefit to me because any of my friends who have an Xbox and Game Pass or just have Game Pass and a device to play Game Pass on, quite frankly, we can just play together. So that even makes it a more a more social thing. Yeah, absolutely. So this is this is pretty incredible. As for games, were there any games you guys saw? Obviously, Halo is, is a huge game. Any other games you guys saw that you were particularly interested in? Oh, the new Battlefield. I'm so ready. Mm. I, I don't even know if was that specifically at Microsoft Con- Conference or just at E3 in general. It was at both. Okay, okay. They they showed some yeah. new gameplay. And like, I just feel like there hasn't been a new game. Like, I play video games almost every night with my friends just as like, you know, that's, that's just the social way we connect and it's fun. And seeing that new 
game that like all of us almost were like, yes, this is something that looks good. This is something that looks fun. Like we're kind of burnt out on like the COD war zone, you know, we play league, but it's like league is just the same thing every time, you know, we, we've just wanted like that new game that everyone in the group gets. And like, maybe it comes to game pass at some point. I mean, with EA, you know, and, and that integration, like the, the value proposition just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And like, I was holding off and then somebody told me they're like, Hey, it's not $1 for one month. It's $1 for three months. I was like, okay, like you got me. I, I can't, I can't not yeah. sign up. Like it's a buck. Good, good luck canceling too. Yeah. It's like Amazon Prime. Oh. It's like once, you, once you have it, you're like, there's no way I can live without yeah. this. Yeah. You're just sucked in because like you realize the the service is just that good. And and I'm happy that somebody's doing this because it seems like there, there was just kind of like the past year where like nothing was happening. And then at the conference, they were like, yep, everything, Game Pass, day one, it's here. And it's 10 bucks a month, you know, 15 if you want both PC and Xbox, like it's a good deal. It's a, it's a crazy good deal. I was looking at, again, Halo, obviously, but are you guys familiar with Back for Blood? No, not yet. Or, or did you play Left for Dead back in the day? I've seen that. I never actually played it myself. Okay. So this is like a, if, imagine Overwatch, but instead of the world of Overwatch or Fortnite, you're playing multiple players, but you're in a zombie wasteland. <laughs> so it's you and three other friends just going around battling zombies. So there was Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2, and then the studio got dissolved. And so these games were super popular, but they just kind of went away. So Back for Blood is from a new studio, which is comprised of a lot of people that worked at the previous one. So it's, it's almost like the third version is a spiritual successor. This is not a Microsoft title, but Microsoft has secured day one on Game Pass for this as well. So the cool part of all this is that it's not just all the acquisitions that Microsoft has made where we're going to see all these Game Pass titles day one. They're still working on third parties to bring their games to Game Pass day one as well, which is just tremendous value. This is where you start to see Microsoft flex their money muscles. I mean, with, with all of that cash, I mean, Sony certainly is not a poor company. When you compare Microsoft's cash on hand to Sony's cash on hand, that's where you start to see a difference. It may not be an exclusive title, but a day one Game Pass title might as might as well be exclusive. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty crazy. Do we know anything about how like the revenue share works for people that go on Game Pass? Like, do they get the, you know, like YouTube premium where, where we get a fraction of the of the subscription <laughs> when they watch? Like, it has to be something like that, I, I would assume. I assume. And what's interesting is when Game Pass started doing this, a lot of people were like, why would a developer want to be on Game Pass when they would rather you buy 70? Like they'd rather take the 70 than the the small portion. And as Game Pass has grown in popularity, I believe the last number announced was 22 million subscribers. There is now a backlog of developers trying to put their games on Game Pass. So there's people with games that are saying, we want to be on Game Pass. And Microsoft's like, well, we have, a, we have a cadence at which we release titles. And so get in line. You have to wait. Like This is, this is really a, a tremendous shift in gaming. And I, I'm very excited to see where all of this goes throughout the year. Anyway, Halo. Halo dropping this year. Now, see, I was more interested to see that E3 had some juice left in it. That was a more, that was a more surprising spot of, of any of this. Uh, now, if Microsoft goes the Sony route and decides to just do their own thing, I'm not sure what, exactly. if any purpose E3 necessarily has. But I was surprised the relevance that, at least for, for 2021, E3 still brought. Well, I was just going to say, though, 
I mean, <laughs> most of the buzz from E3 is from Microsoft right now. And then the, the rest of the buzz is going to come tomorrow with Nintendo. If both of those companies just decided, like Apple did back in the day with Macworld, they pulled out of Macworld. Now Macworld's dead. If they just said, you know what, we're just going to do our own outside of E3 thing. And if Nintendo did the same, where's E3's relevance anymore? I don't know. All right. Next, let's talk about the other big news. WWDC 2021 is in the books. We had the announcements of the next generation, next wave of software for iOS, iPadOS, macOS, Monterey, watchOS, and even tvOS slash home. We did not see any new MacBook Pros. So, but let's talk about what we did see and our thoughts about it. And Sam, I want to start with you. Because oh. you're, you're so passionate about this yeah. stuff. Yeah, this this was like my favorite event every year. And yes. I'll be honest, this one was uh, – it didn't didn't hit as, as hard as I, I hoped it would as I as – I, mm, Interesting. I, if I was looking for. And I, listen, I feel like it was very focused as far as what Apple approached and touched. And it feels like everything that they did do was like very meaningful. Well, maybe aside from iPadOS. So <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts on that. But like as far as iOS 15, like really like – tripling quadrupling down on like facetime and making it better because like so many people during the pandemic were just like facetime is you know it's okay but it still cuts out and it's still a bit glitchy and like we sort of saw it, it fall apart a bit at a usage rate that the servers probably had never handled before and, and the features there are great i love the subtle ui changes around ios 15 i mean that the mac os stuff with universal control is crazy that you're gonna be able to go from your my my iMac desktop to my MacBook on my desk desktop to my iPad home screen like that's I mean n- no other company could ever pull that off maybe Microsoft but like that we've never seen anything like that where it truly is screen to screen almost no latency like I you know it's not enabled yet in the beta but I can't wait to try it out the demo was wildly impressive and then watchOS felt a bit more subtle a bit more muted you know the, the things that they touch new new workout options is cool new watch face and whatnot but i was really hoping for the new macbook pro i felt like there was time at the end for the new macbook pro and i don't know if you guys caught this but they put m1x macbook pro and m1x as a tag on the youtube video when have they ever done that for another product ever i feel like that's happened before i don't know what the product was but i just like so the question that i have is Who's uploading these videos, right? Like, yeah. is it just like an intern that does the uploading? <laughs> yeah. Is it Tim Cook who's doing the upload? Like, who's who's uploading? If you know anything about Apple, everything is deliberate that they do. This isn't like a Samsung tweet sent from an iPhone exactly. type situation. Like, they're aware of everything that is that is going on. If Apple is that deliberate, then someone should have deleted those tags, right? Well, because otherwise, this is like tweeting from an iPhone from for a Samsung ad. What I saw was that. The day before the keynote, you know, they have like the live stream on YouTube. Actually, back in September of last year, they had leaked Apple Watch Series 6 as a tag for the September event, like mm. prior. So somebody was checking, they, they had a screenshot and it didn't show it. They, they had added M1X after the keynote ended and it was public. What? 
That's what I saw because that someone like people have checked these things. You know, I will check them frequently to see if there's any hidden secrets. So, you know, before the keynote, this would have been huge news. It would have confirmed the MacBook. Everyone would have said, oh, unanimously, it will be here. Like, I know people don't say this, but like I've heard stories from leakers of like an iPod Touch 3 that was a week away from launch with a camera and they completely scrapped the entire thing and redid it without a camera. So it's like, I don't that, that think is true. pushing yes. back a hardware release. I mean, it was a developer event. I would say most developers probably use a MacBook Pro. Like, I think that's a relatively safe bet. Maybe the M1 MacBook Air now, but like that's sort of the the middle tier professional device for people. And I mean, I'm still fascinated that I believe the tags are still on the video. And the only thing I can think is that Apple is weirdly being like, this is coming, just wait. Like, just chill. Like, it was supposed to be here because they've left it on the video, right? What? Why would they leave it on the video? That's the only thing That's that so makes weird, sense. That's so weird, though. It's, I, I agree. I have no idea why, but it's the only thing I can make sense of. I think if it was done as an oversight, deleting it draws more attention to it. Mm, fair. Right? Pulling it out, that becomes an own story. Otherwise, oh, it's just there. Maybe they were just trying to get SEO. Like, we all do, right? Like, look, look, at, look, at, look at the tags of any of our videos. Yeah. But why would they add it after yeah. the event is over and it was not announced? But hey, let's just throw this in. And like, what? Uh, listen, it got, it got people talking. Sure did. I saw a screenshot. I was not able to corroborate the pre-screenshot. But like with 9 to 5 Mac and Mac rumors, like I'm pretty sure someone would have checked the tags. And, and like I have checked the tags before and, and nobody saw anything. I doubt that, right? Like it, it only makes sense that it was discovered after and it, it makes it even stranger. Like – even stranger that that it's not there. We said we weren't going to talk about what wasn't announced. Here we are going off on the true. But here we are. Right. No MacBook Pro yet. Let's talk about what was announced. So let's start with iOS 15. So I actually Apple contacted me and they were like, hey, do you want to interview Craig Federici? Dude, Andrew. And I was like, what? Do you do you want to be one of 9,000 people interviewing Craig Federici? <laughs> hey, John, speak for yourself. Some of us out here uh, may have tweeted the new Apple marketing head and said, can I get an interview? And I got no reply. So I'm proud of Andrew out here for, <laughs> I mean, dude, that interview was phenomenal. I, you were the first one Thank I watched. You. It was so good. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So well done. They were, so they're like, hey, we're going to give you five minutes with Craig. Uh, maximum five minutes. Whoa. Do not go over. Wow. And they were like, you can ask. Basically, they were like, you have time for one question, but if you still have time on the clock, you can ask like a follow-up. So these were the rules. So to be clear, there was no rule about you're only allowed to ask about this or send me your question first so we can approve. There was none of that. You could ask anything you wanted? Ask anything you want, but again, you only have five minutes. So luckily over the years, I've interviewed dozens of, of tech executives and so I know the difference between like a one minute interview, a five minute interview versus like a 15 or 20, right? The goal isn't to look popular on the internet by asking like this, why doesn't iPad OS run Mac OS as your only question in like a short, inter- like that would be something if you had like a longer interview to like go back and forth with. So a lot of people were like hating on like, why didn't you ask him why Xbox Game Pass wasn't announced in the Epic, I'm like, come on guys, like. It's about WWDC. So I watched the keynote when it happened, and then I watched it again a second time because I wanted to figure out what would be the best open-ended question I can ask. Because I want to ask a question that would allow him to just take it anywhere versus like a yes or no or like a one-sentence answer. And so this leads into iOS 15, and 
the realization that it seemed like Apple this year, more so than any other year I can remember, really focused on a theme, a theme being just like togetherness through your devices. And you talked about FaceTime a minute ago, but I feel like when you look at FaceTime's main, in my opinion, the big feature being SharePlay. SharePlay allows you, you and up to 32 other people, I confirmed, it's not just like two or three, you and up to 31 other people, so 32 in total, can watch the same TV show or movie at the same time, synced up, can listen to the same music synced up, and can share a screen all together, synced up together through FaceTime. And then add on top of that, so that's all like kind of like digital togetherness, enjoying content together or helping someone on something on their screen or using your screen to show everybody else something like, hey, let me show you how to beat this level on this game. Everybody watch my screen. But then there's also the, which I think some people just kind of glossed over, the shared with you row, which is coming to a bunch of Apple's apps. The share with you row is basically if the three of us have an active group chat that we're just always posting in and John, you send me a link to something today and then Sam sends me a show that I should be watching. And then like we're having this active chat a week from now, if I want, what was that show Sam sent me? I don't even remember the name of it. So search is useless. How do I find it? I have to scroll, 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 scroll back to, and hopefully like not scroll fast enough to where I pass over it. Now it's like, oh, Sam sent me a show. Let me go into the TV app. There it is literally right there. John sent me a link a week ago. Let me go into Safari. There's the links that were shared with me just in their own area. Like, a super easy way. I mean, I don't know. I feel like this is this is something that I come across a lot. Like people are always sending me stuff that I always mean to check out, but I put off and then can never find. Yeah. Can confirm. <laughs> yeah. Like this is one of those things that, and by the way, like all the features that they announced this year, it seemed like Apple worked on features rather than operating systems this year. It's not like iOS got this stuff, iPad got that stuff. It's like, here's all the features we worked on and all this stuff is going to all our devices. This is like peak ecosystem. This is like peak reason that people who choose Apple, this is why they choose Apple. Everything working together and appearing throughout your apps, the operating system just takes care of it, making your life genuinely easier for yourself and also easier when you are communicating with others who are far away. Absolutely. You nailed it. Features versus versus the individual operating systems, even the way they structured the keynote, you know, they had the home section, the health section, you know, it was iOS 15 features being revealed in the health section or the home section that were also on the Mac, that were also on the iPad. The, the whole structure of the keynote, it felt different. You know, it wasn't just iOS, iPad, Mac. And then tvOS miraculously has been removed from their website. Like they don't even have a page for it anymore. What? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. It's very weird. So it's just become home? Yeah. But it's also like you can't find it. It's weird. I I think it's technically like if you go to the TV section of apple.com, then they will show you, you know, this is what's coming next. But interesting that tvOS has not really seen its own platform, which makes you say like, well, what is the future of the Apple TV then if, if they're not even going to have dedicated software or they don't seem to carry it? The pacing was different this WWDC, yet the feature set was also really impressive. Like It, it was a lot of new individual things that are going to make a big impact. Can I be the contrarian? Absolutely. Oh, of here course. Amongst everybody? Absolutely. Aren't you always? I mean, I feel like somebody has to be, right? <laughs> I found the whole thing incredible. I found the whole thing incredibly boring. Fair. 
and I found the updates to be very iterative. Somebody needs to give needs to give a counterpoint to the glowing wonderfulness that's being said. And I get a lot of it is the work that goes into getting any software update up is is incredible. And Apple is generally held to a higher standard than other manufacturers. And I recognize that as well. And we've been in a pandemic the past year. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, they're working remotely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are some flagship features. Being able to use the mouse across devices and keyboard is awesome. I agree with that. And there's a lot more nuanced changes inside of iOS 15 that have been really publicly talked about. And I can appreciate that as well. But when you look at iOS and what it does really well for a seamless experience inside of a very nicely cultivated walled garden, no one touches Apple on that front. But there are still a lot of things that are holding iOS back and a lot of features that Android has that appear to be very easy to implement. That I have a hard time understanding why iteration after iteration, they do not get implemented. And I think that's where some of my frustration with iOS 15 smaller changes came into play. I would love to very easily have a shortcut on my screen that just calls my wife without having to go through series shortcuts and creating one. I would love to be able to have one icon on a home screen anywhere I want to put it. I mean, very, very small nuanced changes that are now just Apple's doing it for, appears to be doing it for no apparent reason other than this is the way it's always been done. And I, I get that making changes just for newness sake is not always the way to go, but there's something to be said for things at least looking new and appearing new. And outside of notifications, there's really not much else that looks new to everybody. And I think that's where maybe some of my disappointments came in with what iOS 15 could be. And I think that extends also to what I to iPad OS mm. 15, right? <laughs> we have Renee on the show all Let's the time. I love, I, I love Renee. And Renee gave a very, as Renee tends to do, gave a very educated, eloquent discussion as why everybody shouldn't be up in arms that it's an M1 chip in an iPad that still is just doing iPad things. And there's nobody else that could do a better job than that than Renee. So from a tech journalist standpoint, he is 100% correct. But from just like a fan, like as someone who likes to buy Apple stuff and wants like new, new things and is spending a lot of money for new things, I would be up in arms. Why would anybody buy the 2021 iPad Pro with an M1 chip over what came out in 2018? There, there's not a single compelling, unless you're going to buy the giant one, the 12.9 with the mini LED, show me any good reason, any good reason. I'm just talking about the differences. Now, this is obviously up to the individual. Absolutely. The, the differences are going to be, it is like you can feel how, how much faster it is. It's very obvious. That's number one. But it's obvious if you have both side by side. If you're still using no, no, the it's obvious just using it, just using like just but, using it. But if you still have a 2018, you've never used the 2020 or 2021. Oh, you're sure, sure, sure. Right, right. If you've never used it, then yes, yes, for sure. Number two would be 5G if you care about that. Number three would be the center stage camera if you use it for chatting with people. That's another change. And then number four would be. I, Probably the most niche feature, in my opinion, at least for now, would be the new display on the 12.9 inch version, which only seems to kick in if you're watching Dolby Vision 
content or HDR content. So most of the time, it's not really taking advantage of it anyway. But those would be like if you were making a decision today on what to buy, those would be the differentiating factors. Absolutely. And I was talking more about an upgrade. And listen, I'm coming from somebody who adores my 12.9 inch iPad Pro. And I bought the M1 version. I bought it with a ton of space so I could have 16 gigabytes of RAM. Like I, I love my iPad Pro and I, you can see what it could be and you see what it can be. And I think that's where my frustration comes in is there's so much power in something so small. And it seems like Apple is just keeping it in second gear and I have a hard time figuring out why. Let me chime in here. Go ahead. Yeah. So I was super disappointed by iPad OS and I thought they were going to go through it that, you know, the, the iPad OS section of the keynote and then we're going to go, we're just kidding. This is what we've done every year since we announced the pro iPads. This is what the iPad can actually do now. And they didn't. And I spent $1,100 on the space gray 12.9 inch M1 iPad pro. They made me buy a stupid magic keyboard for another three or $400. Like, I don't even know how they, like the keyboard's just so good. I hate that it's that good, but it really like the magic keyboard honestly is like one of the more incredible accessories they've ever released since I've been covering their products. And I'm confused as to why Apple doesn't utilize the iPad pro. Like they utilize the Mac. Like why can the $999 MacBook air do I would argue most everything that the iPad Pro can't do. It can do professional content, audio editing, mixing, video editing, like color, like everything about the MacBook Air at $999 is a better value than the $1,100 iPad Pro with M1. And that's starting. It's just $1,100 starting for the iPad. I mean, same for the MacBook Air, but I, I just, I see the MacBook Air as just like incredible M1 value. And then I see the iPad Pro and how Apple just, just they feel so scared. They feel so scared to do something radical with it. And every, you know, this year, everybody was telling me, they're like, dude, just you wait. You're going to see when iPadOS comes out, this is going to be real crazy. And I was like, no, I, I don't believe it will because why would it be this year? Why is it going to be next year? Why is it going to be the year after? Like Apple has not given us a reason for this to be upgraded at this point. They, they've had the 12.9-inch iPad since what, 2017, 2016? 12.9, yeah. And yeah. it's still not a computer. I mean, it's a computer. It's great for email, web, apps. It's great. It, it nails it. But with the M1 chip inside, it's a pro product. You know, like I don't see a reason for any person, even people that are like really into tech to buy the iPad Pro over the iPad Air at this point. I mean, the 120 hertz screen is like the thing that kills me to not buy the Air just because I'm like, oh, it's so good. But processing wise, the A14 and the iPad Air is crazy. Like that's already an insane chip. I don't think action to action, app to app, you're going to notice that much of a difference. So I'm with you, John. I'm just like, it It kills me. It kills me every year that we see this, that, that it's just not being taken advantage of. It, it, it just, it doesn't make sense. I can't figure out a reason. All right. So let me, let me go over some of the features in iPadOS 15. And then I want to ask you guys what's missing for, for you personally, what's missing for you? So they're bringing the widgets and app library to the iPad, which we saw on iPhone last year. That's now on iPad this year with some new larger widgets that kind of better fit the iPad. You get the quick notes feature, which basically you take your Apple Pencil or you don't even need an Apple Pencil. You can basically quickly take notes in any app you're in and then those notes get associated with that app going forward. So anytime you're back in that app, you can quickly pull up any notes made while in that app. 
I'm not sure if I explained that the best way. It's a feature you have to see to kind of understand how it works. They are also doing the same thing with iOS where you can kind of look at the photos in your library or open up your camera and take a picture and pull text out of images and also identify things in images. Probably the most pro feature, which it's not limited to the iPad Pro, is the new, in my opinion, much easier, much more discoverable multitasking. Multitasking in the past for me, which is basically where you can have two apps in split view or slide over, I could never get those gestures down to where it just felt like second nature to like, I, I just never could do it. I'd always have to like Google, how do I do side split? Like I can never just do it. Now it's, it's so much easier. I've probably used that feature more in the past week than I have in the past like three years. So the new app switcher, the new multitasking and everything else, quite honestly, I don't know that I would say there's anything else that's iPad specific. Again, going back to when I said earlier, it feels like Apple just worked on features this year that they brought to all their platforms. So aside from the multitasking, I don't know that I can say there's anything in the quick notes feature that is iPad specific. So given all that, oh, and also, well, this is for everything too, but extensions come to Safari. So now you can have, if you love extensions in Chrome and Safari on desktop, now you can actually download them on mobile Safari, which I thought was cool. But given all that, what were you guys hoping to see that would have made the iPad or iPad OS feel like it was worth waiting for this year? Oh, so that, that, that's easy. It's two words. You know exactly what those two words are, right? Don't Pro say apps. Final Cut. Don't say Final Cut. Yeah. Yep. Pro apps. Okay. Here's my answer. Here's my answer to that. And I agree with that stance. But my answer is this. Apple, throughout its history, the history of WWDC has never seen the introduction of a new version of Final Cut or Logic, et cetera. I mean, you can't use you can't you can't use precedent for reason things not to do something moving forward, though, man. That's my point. Is this when a new version of Final Cut is ready? Is not how you time a developer conference. The developer conference, you have to have the developer tools ready and the operating system features ready to show an app, a separate app. They didn't show any separate apps. They showed here's what's built in to the operating systems this year. In other words, this is just my opinion. I have no, this is no, no inside knowledge or anything. When Final Cut Pro 11.0, whatever the next version is going to be called, is released, that would be when the time would be to say, here's what it can do on your Mac. And by the way, it's also available for your iPad as well. And here's how it works there rather than at a developer <laughs> conference. Because developer conference, and you're saying pro apps, remember this is iPad OS, which works all the way back to like several years ago, iPad mini, all the way up to iPad pro. So there wasn't going to be a specific, here's what the iPad pro can do. It's more, here's what the software that runs on all the iPads for the past five and a half or six years can do, if that makes sense. So Andrew, Yes. Now I know why a Apple sends you products enough. <laughs> what? Because I'm sensible. <laughs> that was quite the apologist argument that you made right there. It's a true statement, though. Like, you don't tell the Final Cut team, hey, the developers conference is coming up. So make sure Final Cut I mean, is like... And, and, Andy, you're, 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 you're talking like the iPad Pro hasn't been out for three years. Like, they just announced that no one knew it was coming. 
I wholeheartedly disagree with every word you just said. <laughs> every word. Not a word of it do I agree with. If it's just for developers and why, why live stream it to everybody. Just because it's done that way in the past and they won't ever do it again. That's crazy. In my opinion, that's a crazy argument. You want people to buy iPads and you want people to get excited about a new software that's coming. You show them a reason to buy that iPad. Maybe it's not ready yet, but we've got something crazy coming for you. Buy this iPad, and this is going to be coming. Make it like Deep Fusion was before. It's not ready yet, but look at what your brand new M1 iPad Pro is going to do. Buy it now, get it, enjoy it, but soon it's going to turn from a really good media consumption machine into an amazing media production machine, and that silly little girl with the glasses who asked what's computer can finally be right. Well... Now, I'm going to wholeheartedly disagree okay, with you. Fair, fair, <laughs> and, fair and here's enough. why. Here's why. This goes out to the people who do what the three of us do for a living. I feel like we live in a bubble sometimes. Yeah. Yes. I, I know so many people who use an iPad Pro and Photoshop, and the jump to the M1, 8 and 16 gigs, makes Photoshop run way faster because when you have these large photos, they take up, they'll basically use as much RAM as you can give them. They're professionals too. Professional does not mean video editing and audio. The iPad Pro does a lot for doctors, lawyers, image. Like it's not just YouTube creators who need this. But I, listen, John, I agree in principle with what you just said about why wait if you have something they're working on. But if we if we look to the past, the reason I say look to the past is because Apple is one of the companies, one of the few companies where it's like. You can look to the past to see where they're going to go in the future. So let's take the last quarter of 2020. They gave us Apple Watch, and I believe it was HomePod in the same event. HomePod was actually at the iPhone 12 event. What was with the Apple Watch? iPad Air, Apple Watch SE, and then iPad 8. iPad Air and Apple Watch. Okay. So you could have made the argument, the iPhone and HomePod are coming three weeks from now. Why didn't you just put it in the same event? Like, it was re- well. They they wanted. They had a cadence they were doing. And then the next month it was here's the new M1 Max. Well, why didn't you just put that in the other one and just tell us sooner? And then in December it was here's the AirPods Max as a surprise. Well, why wasn't that included? Back? Like they could have put all of that in an event because these events were like 45 minutes long, so they were pretty short. But you can look to the past and see the cadence at how they do things and how they like to think. It's just how they like to do it, and so. This talk we're having right now kind of harkens me back way to the beginning. And obviously, this is a failed product, the original HomePod. When the original HomePod was released, there were features that got pushed out. I believe it was like six to eight weeks. So it was basically the HomePod can do all this stuff. And then right before launch, it was like, hey, it's not going to be able to do this portion of that new stuff until the first software update comes. And so many people on YouTube were hating on it. Like, this is ruining the HomePod. This is why no one's going to buy this. Seven weeks later, that no longer, it didn't matter anymore. Like once it happened, it didn't matter anymore. Now, obviously the HomePod didn't catch up and, and become this huge hit. But if it did, my point is more, Apple can wait till something's ready to announce and then announce it. And then when they do that, the past doesn't matter anymore. Like it doesn't matter that it wasn't there before because it's here now. And if you want it now, go out and get it. All right. I think I'm in the middle of you two guys here because I totally agree with John that it's like, 
Okay, developer conference argument wise, like yes, it is, they are showing just the general platform features. Like that's what WWDC is. Like I, I think you're right that the reason we probably didn't see a WWDC in hindsight is because you know Apple doesn't generally do that. And like when we do get Final Cut announcements, they are just like a press release because Final Cut is not a consumer product as much as Apple wants it to be. It's for people like us. It's for people that are always looking for the new version, always want the new you know metal acceleration features on M1 and, and bonuses, and they're they're great because they make our lives better. At the same time, I'm definitely with John as far as like, that's not an excuse to have this iPad that has been capable of running Final Cut for years. And now Final Cut literally runs natively on M1 and we have the exact same chip in the iPad and it's still not here. And maybe it comes later this year, but Apple still released hardware. It goes back to me saying, well, why wouldn't they have just announced Final Cut back at the April event when we got the new, or or, yeah, it was the April event we got the iPad Pro. Like that would have been the time to say, hey, we have this thing, here's what you can do with it. I also take your points, Andrew, that like Photoshop is real and like that's not something I use on the iPad Pro. And I think I do have, you know, this conversation has helped me have a, a less narrow view of what the iPad Pro can do and that it is used in doctor's offices, that it is used in some niche AR situations where people can look at the human body and parts and learn and, and space and there's great apps for it. It hurts me personally, and I'm so passionate about it because I'm like, man, I spent all this money, and I I really don't feel like there's any uti- any any additional utility year over year. Like, I don't know why you would buy an M1 over a 2018 iPad Pro unless you are in these niche situations. And I just see the iPad Pro as more and more of a niche device. Maybe it maybe it's always been that way, but especially with with the new iPad Air with the same design, the slim bezels, the almost the same size screen as the 11 inch, it's like a 10.9 inch, you know? Yeah, it's not as good of a display, but it's got like an insane processor in it. I mean, the value proposition for the iPad Air is like, that's the one to get. If somebody wants to buy an iPad, get that one. You know, maybe that could run Final Cut one day, maybe not. I'm still heartbroken that I just feel like the iPad is still in the same spot it was four years ago, honestly. I think it is. I, I, I don't disagree with that sentiment. I think as of today, the hardware is so much better than the operating system software. Now, the other, the other part of this equation is time. So, so people like us, we stay busy with the work we do. And I've seen arguments that, no, I I do video editing. I can edit 8K on my iPad regularly. In fact, that's the iPad. That's the device I use. But for us, do we want to take the time to learn LumaFusion? Do we want to take the time to learn a new way of like the iPad can do it. And here's an app that allows you to. So there are the pro apps on the app store that you can use to do the things you'd like to do. But you have to relearn your process, which I don't for me, I have no interest. I, I literally have no interest in, in relearning something that I, I'm very comfortable doing on my Mac. I'm going to I'm going to move some of this discussion to next week on the other operating systems that Apple had, because I want to talk about the other feature Apple talked about or not talked about release this week. And then we'll get out of here. That would be spatial audio on Apple Music with lossless as well. You guys tried this? Because it has been, for me, mind-blowing. This is going to be a really interesting discussion because I have tried it and lossless is cool. Very happy to see that. I have personally not enjoyed the mix of any spatial audio song I have ever listened to. And I've listened to about five or 10 now. And it just hasn't been it for me. And I'm listening on the maxes. I've got the top of the line offering. Spatial audio for me, it's not been it. Oh, ooh, okay. 
Interesting. Interesting. So I was making the argument for the past couple of weeks between the announcement and the release where so many people were like, lossless is it. I can't get lossless on any AirPods. This sucks. Apple, what are you doing? And I was making the argument, no one's going to be able to really tell they're listening to lossless, but everyone's going to be able to tell they're listening to spatial audio instantly. You put it on, you'll be able to tell. Now I do, now Sam, I, I think it depends on what you're listening to because I, last night, for example, I had two track. I played one track and then I played the next track. And that first track, I was like, where is it? Like, is there something wrong with my phone? Like what? I, I'm not hearing it. And then as soon as that track ended and I went to the next one, it was like, whoa, like it was so obvious. And so I feel like you really have to, at least at this early stage, listen to the right songs that were produced properly or or with more more thought and care for spatial but you said you listened to 10 songs so far i don't know if that's enough okay maybe i need more i'll send you some okay i'm a very I, I'll, I'll pin it in my messages in ios 15 and then i'll come back to it it'll show up there you go <laughs> no i i've <laughs> i I think I'm kind of old school in this way. Like, you know, my dad is a big electronics guy. He does that for a living. And I'm very like, I was raised, you listen to, to music on a left channel and a right channel and that's stereo. You do not do surround sound. It, it ruins the mix. And like, you know, we had a surround sound home theater at my parents' house before I moved out. And it was wonderful for movies. I felt the same way though. I could never listen to music in five to one or, or seven, seven dot one channel. It, it just felt wrong. I really enjoy left channel, right channel, and not even as the artist intended. That's just how I like to listen to music and spatial audio totally it's surround it's basically surround sound but it's a dynamic surround sound that changes and it was weird you know i was listening to blinding lights and now the the weekend's voice is coming from my right side when i'm turning you know you, there's no video but i'm like turning my head as i'm talking and now it's from the left side and you know it, it it's cool and i totally agree that that is what people will be like oh this is different I would disagree in saying that I don't think it's better and maybe there's more to come and maybe there will be tracks in the future as music evolves in the years to come. But right now I haven't found that, that front facing track that said, Oh, I, I prefer. And in fact, I actually disabled spatial audio, you know, on, on my phone after I listened to a couple. Interesting. And John, where are you at with this? I know you're not, you, you don't claim to be the biggest audiophile, but you do yeah. appreciate how things sound like, and I can appreciate new technology. I've I've used it. I've listened to it. I prefer the way it sounds to my very untrained ear. I really tend to like it. And it should be said, if you don't know, these are features that have been added at no extra charge. So if you are an Apple Music subscriber, you get lossless audio, you get high-res lossless audio, and you get spatial audio slash Dolby Atmos for the same price you've been paying. There's no extra fee which I think is very unique when you look at some of the other services that have been charging more for higher fidelity and things like that. But you can check it out right now. It's available as long as you're running iOS 14.6. Sam, I'm going to send you some tracks that I want okay. you to listen to. I, I want you to tell me how it feels. John, I can send them to you as well if you want. Sam, I want to hear them too. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm sending, I'll send it to both of you guys. But uh, Sam, thank you for joining us this thank week. Thank you. Thank you. On Geared Up. Sir. No, thank you guys. It's always a pleasure. Great. We had some, it was fun. Like this is just a good time talking tech with the boys. What more could you ask for? Absolutely. <laughs> Let people know where they can find you. I got at iUpdate on Twitter, which is amazing. You can also find, uh, if you're into Apple news, if you just like want to follow a text blog, I run Apple track, which is at A-P-P-L-T-R-A-C-K on Twitter. It is now a verified account. 
I had to announce that first ever verification on Twitter feels very, very good. You guys can find it on appletrack.com or on YouTube, youtube.com slash I update for all your, your latest Apple news. And then, hey, since you're listening to a podcast here, oh yeah, Sam has a podcast as well. <laughs> I also do, Let do him a podcast. I do do a podcast, Andrew. I almost forgot. Yeah, me and, uh, me and my, my pal John Proster do Genius Bar, a weekly podcast about Apple and tech in general. And uh, I think I'm actually going to be recording that in about four hours from now. So very excited. Double podcast today. Thank you guys for having me. Always a pleasure. Great talking to you. <laughs> there you go. And that is it for this edition of Geared Up. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, you can catch John and I on YouTube. I'm at youtube.com slash gear live. And John is at youtube.com slash John for Lakers. Feel free to head over and subscribe to our channels to stay up to date on all the latest tech. Speaking of subscribing, you can subscribe to Geared Up in your favorite podcast app. If you haven't done so already, just search Geared Up. That's two words, not one in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Overcast, or really wherever you choose to listen. If you like what we do, please consider leaving us a rating and review. It really helps other people find the show. Geared Up is a Gear Live podcast, and you can see more from us at GearLive.com. Thank you so much for listening. For John Rettinger, I'm Andrew Edwards, and we'll catch you in the next episode.